Welcome to the Sluffer Podcast. I am your host, Daniel Allen Nolan. Today, I am going to have a conversation with myself. So let's start talking. Daniel, welcome. Uh, hi. So today, we're just going to have a conversation with yourself. Um, just kind of get to know you and um, see where this leads. Uh, yeah, that's, that's great. Um, uh, where do you want to start? Well, let's let's just dig in early. And um, where where did you grow up? Uh, I, I grew up in um, in sort of a lower to middle class suburb of Redwood City, which is about uh, twenty minutes south of the San Francisco area. My my parents did a really good job of hiding just how poor they were, and. Uh, my like my father worked two jobs. He worked for the uh, for PG&E, Pacific Gas and Electric, and my mother worked at a laundromat at the time. Um, yeah, I mean, I growing up, I had no inclination that we were poor. You know, being an only child, I was you know fairly spoiled and surrounded by uh, new friends. I. We lived really close to both my schools, both my um, middle and my junior junior high schools. So when you say your parents did a good job hiding how uh, poor they were, how so? Well, I mean, I, I, you know, I had all the toys, um, you know, the house, the yard. You know the BMX bike and you know the Battlestar Galactica stuff. Uh, you know, so I I felt that I kind of kept up with my friends. You know, when it came to playtime and uh, you know, I I definitely had a few friends that were um, that were way wealthier than my parents. Like they lived they lived in like Woodside Hills, which is a little bit you know it's a richer community where the homes are twice as big and swimming pools and you know there's there's stuff it was a little more affluent um but uh i i really i really jumped between both uh economic classes i think you know i had friends that were on my level you know in my young mind and then i had friends that were really really wealthy uh, but to me it was just a little more you know they it wasn't like they were showing off the wealth, but you know, definitely there was you know stuff to uh, you know kind of kind of envy as a young boy. So growing up as an only child, do you feel you missed out on uh, having siblings? Um, I guess I really didn't think about it too much. I mean, I had I had two cousins. One, you know, one was a little older and one was a little younger. And then um, I also had a set of really close friends growing up that you know I still have to this day. Uh, so I think as I got older, I realized, you know, um, when you start dealing with more adult, you know, uh, situations such as you know death of a parent or just you know the emotional 
you know, shoulder you can actually lean on. Um, yeah, I, over time, I mean, oh, now that I'm older, I, I kind of, you know, I, I wonder what it would be like to have a brother or a sister. Do you feel you have the support that you need now as an adult? Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I do. I, I have some really, really close friends. Uh, for the most part, my family is gone. My mother passed away. My father's passed away. No brother, or sister. Um, very kind of di- just removed from all other aspects of my family. I have a, I have an uncle, which is my cousin's uh, father. That um, he he's helped me out a lot. Um, younger and especially when my father was going through his cancer but we we haven't spoke to him in a while and you know I I I had a horrible example set to what family should mean when I was younger my my mother was just absentee with her um, her family uh, like I, when I was 12, she, you know, right around the divorce, she stopped visiting her mother and father, which when we moved, we only lived maybe a few miles away, but that she didn't see them or talk to them for, I think, believe nine, close to nine years. Uh, so that, that was kind of, you know, the script that was handed to me. Do you feel that led to a larger sense of independence? Um, yeah, it's it's messy. It's you know, relationship after relationship is you know, I'm very uh, as you say, insular and <clears throat> maybe a little too um, uncompromising to let people in and help me. You know, I don't think it's it's not so much pride as it is just you know a level of comfort. Would you say use that as some sort of coping mechanism? Uh, yeah, I mean, for sure, it's you know, it's a it's a way of um, just you know not getting caught up in the drama of somebody else. Really, um, you know, it just it it uh, it doesn't it doesn't exhaust me anymore. Um, but I, I, I'd be lying if I said it probably, you know, didn't, didn't accumulate some, um, anxieties. Can you give us a snapshot of what maybe your, uh, your childhood was like? Yeah, of course. Uh, I mean, it was, it was, I, I was really very, very fortunate. You know, like I said earlier, I, I, I have some really, key friendships that you know carried me through my junior and high school years all the way through my young adult to my adult years even to, 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 to today so um yeah i mean you know had my own bedroom you know i had a bike had birthday parties um i think by the time i hit my pubescent years like 13 14 um going my parents divorced and i i i I felt at the time i knew something was 
you know, something wasn't right with, with them, but it wasn't until I got much older that I, you know, I kind of, I, I always told the truth. Um, so for years, my, um, you know, my narrative was that my mother was the savior and my father was just this tyrant, which is, you know, so far from the truth. Um, but yeah, during the divorce years, um, I, I, you know, like for instance, my, my 13th birthday, I was so used to just getting stuff that I wanted. Like, you know, you go through the Sears catalog, you know, dog ear a page and, you know, Christmas or your birthday comes along and boom, there it is. So, I mean, like I said, they, you know, they, they didn't give me any idea that we were poor, but they, you know, they spoiled me. And my grand, my grandfather, especially, uh, he was, he was a, like a more of a father figure to me because my, my, my dad was always, you know, working or he wasn't, it's unfair to say he wasn't like he was absent, but he just, it's hard for me to look back at my childhood now and say that he was a big, um, that he was around a lot. There's only like key moments I can really you know, see him with me. Were there any moments where you felt that um, gave you some insight to that? Maybe your narrative wasn't what you believed? Um, yeah, there's plenty of them. I think, you know, like I said, as you get older, you you can you can look back and sort of, you know, cherry pick certain moments that were you know, definitive of, you know, growing up and, you know, what maybe like what being adult was at that time or how one should act. But, you know, like at, you know, for my 13th birthday, uh, just instead of receiving, you know, the, you know, the kiss cards or the kiss album that I wanted, it was, um, you know, it was a hairbrush, some cologne, a hairdryer, and it was just, it was a, a you know, young man's arsenal. It was in a, in a very adult gift. And I remember being really disappointed, you know, not really understanding like what, what, what that meant. I mean, you know, that, that was the same time for my birthday, uh, right before I went in the or actually, it was just after I went into high school. My father, for my fourteenth birthday, bought me a Jimmy Buffett "Son of a Sailor" album, and I remember just opening it and thinking, "Like, what? What the fuck is this? Like, J J who's Jimmy Buffett, and how is this relevant to me? What do you believe was the relevancy that your father was trying to um, give to you?" Uh, I think for, I think for that album it was just he you know like being at that time I was really just involved and very excited about music and uh, I think that was just his way of just trying to connect with me knowing like you know there's there's a divorce he probably knew that my mother was just you know victimizing or not victimizing, but demonizing him. And I was this, you know, I was hook, line, and sinker in her bullshit at the time. And uh, I think it was just his, like, you know, 
<laughs> like even now, like, you know, the, the album was Son of a Sailor and it's like it was my father throwing a rope to me, like just hoping I would, you know, grab onto it some sort of, you know, so he could save me in some sort. So when you say you're really in, um, involved with music, like, do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I, uh, I had a, I had a friend that, you know, we were we were part of the geek squad in junior high, and um, we. Hey, sorry, my cat's making a bunch of noise behind me. Um, him and I were um, we had a, a small, real great small circle of friends, but we were totally nerdy, and you know we were all about you know, science fiction and just, you know, bad fart jokes and whatnot. And uh, he, I went over to his house one weekend and his, he had an older brother, it was a stepbrother. And I remember walking in, walking up to the garage and I think we had a day plan that we were going to be listening to like, um, you know, just like Sean Cassidy albums and, and trading Battlestar Galactica cards or something. And um, I came walking up the up the driveway, and I heard someone playing drums, and it ended up being his his older brother. Um, and I remember the garage door was just cracked open a little bit, and I I kind of like peered in, and I saw him playing the drums, and he had these headphones on, and he was just playing. And I was just mesmerized by, you know, the fact that there's this, you know, his brother was playing drums. And uh, he saw me and uh, pulled off the headphones and he was just like, hey, like, you know, come here. And uh, I came over and he's like, you want to play? And I'm like, uh, sure. And I, I remember sitting behind the drums and just sort of like, you know, tapping them with the sticks. And I, I was, you know, I, that was it. Like, it was just one of those moments where, you know, the world shifted over a few degrees and I just went down a different path. I, I I remember like this want I couldn't wait to get home to ask my parents to buy me a drum set. So with that, uh, what path would you say that led you down uh, with music? Um, I mean it. It was a. It was just it was a moment of I mean, up until then it was just me, you know, listening to Kiss albums at night. Um, just, you know, one after the other albums were just stacked on top of each other on a turntable. And as I fell asleep at night, I would just, I would imagine that would be me playing drums on stage or, you know, like just being part of the band. Um, but after, it was after my junior year after my junior graduation, I remember my mom, I remember running home and telling my mom I wanted, I wanted a drum set and how amazing it was. And, and she, she talked to my father and, and uh, they agreed that if I graduated my eighth grade class, my eighth grade year, they would get me a rental drum set, which at the time, I'm like, how can I not pass eighth grade? Isn't everyone pass eighth grade? So I, um, I just barely passed. I, I remember at my graduation going, walking up to the, you know, to the commencement stand, and I'm receiving a rolled up piece of paper. And then when I got back to my seat, I unrolled it, and it was blank. And there was just a note inside saying that I owed money for wood shop or something. That's ridiculous. And 
Uh, I don't I don't ever remember getting that diploma, but uh, I did get a drum set. So were your parents supportive of uh, you pursuing music? My mom, my mom, my mom was great. My 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 dad always sort of had a uh, I don't know. He he would do this thing that if he he wouldn't say bullshit, he would just go, you know, and he kind of like just kind of poo poo it right there with just that noise, that sound. And uh, but my mom was uh, she was you know she was the cheerleader. She was you know let me set up in the living room and uh, have my friends over and and uh, eventually the my friends. Uh, older brother who I actually, you know, saw playing drums, he would come over with a guitar and he figured out how to run that guitar through my stereo system as a, as sort of like a, an amplifier. And he taught me how to play uh, bad company, um, bad company songs, you know, and I, I, I actually have that on cassette somewhere and it's, it's actually quite, magical to listen to that just to see where we're at uh, but yeah my mom was really uh, really supportive of my music how old were you when they finally got divorced um, it was right after getting the drum set and junior between my eighth grade and my freshman year so I was 13 uh, yeah so I mean it, it started to get kind of uncomfortable because they, they weren't they weren't fighting out in the open like you can hear it behind closed doors and just the tension you know like him coming home later my mom's working later um you know but i i didn't realize that this all kind of stemmed way way early on back when i was probably like eight or nine where um my my mother was having an affair with with her boss at this laundromat so um, my father, my father was really good at just sort of keeping, you know, the dirty laundry in uh, the hamper, so to say. And uh, I was just, you know, clueless. Was your father a good father in your words? Yeah. I mean, looking back, he, I mean, again, I was under the spell of my mother's uh, manipulation with him just being this monster um, but no, I mean, I can look back now and, you know, there were, there were some moments, um, there were some key moments where I really felt he, he was guiding me in the right, in the right direction as a young man. And, uh, yeah, I, it, it wasn't until my late, later year in my adult years where I, I actually started to try to rebuild a relationship with him. Um, but it was, it was hard because, you know, I was still, it was hard. It was cognitive dissonance with my mother of like, how, how could, you know, this woman, like my best friend, essentially, which, uh, like, how could she, how could she do that, you know, to that, to my father? What was the relationship like with your mother? It's, um, I know mama's boy. Uh, after the divorce, you know, my my father, you know, he moved out. Uh, he wanted visits. It was just, you know, the the court case. 
you know, she didn't, she didn't want anything. She just wanted the house and she wanted me, um, you know, which eventually they sold the house and split it, you know, down the middle. Um, but you know, I, I pretty much was a mama's boy. I, you know, whatever mama mom said, I, you know, it had to be truth. And, uh, yeah, it's, you know, a lot of times I didn't want to see him. I didn't want to hang out with him. You know, he just, he became a little, a little more evil, you know, as, as the older I got, how do you mean evil? Was it, was it his actions? No, 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 no. It was, um, it was just the overall feeling I was, you know, I was starting to, um, develop just spending so much time, you know, living with my mother. Um, yeah, it it's well, you know, like I said, you know, oh, she was my best friend, and as I realize now, it's just that is this poor parenting when your mother, you know, is you know supplying you with uh, with drugs and alcohol uh, just so she can you know be be one of the guys or one of the you know one of your friends. Um, yeah, I mean, it's you know, it, it's. You know, it was fucking awesome having a, you know, the, the coolest mom on the block that allowed me to like have all my friends over when she was, you know, she was gone on the weekends, you know, she would throw a $20 bill on the table and, you know, see you Monday morning, don't burn the house down. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, looking back, I would not change anything of my, like, like teenage years, I mean, they were they were probably some of the most incredible uh, experiences and and life lessons that I've ever had. So, uh, yeah, can you give me a few examples of how that might have shaped you? Uh, yeah, uh, there's there's just I mean, so so many. Like I there was this one time. Like we had, we had a little plaza near my house, probably like, you know, like a two, three block walk, you know, and, you know, there was a grocery store, pizza parlor, donut shop, you know, like we had a, you know, the thrifties convenience store, you know, it was a Friday night. I was probably 15. You know, my mom has a new boyfriend and he's just, he's just a raging alcoholic and pot smoker and. We used to dip into his his him and his friends used to like keep like big big bags of weed at at my house and my friends and I would always just dip into it and uh, you know steal his beer like you know Coors Tall Boys and just you know it was it was you know a teenager's wet dream but uh, there was one night where uh, we we were all getting drunk and high and, and walking over to the plaza like we normally did every every night and um my mom i saw my mom and her boyfriend in her boyfriend's car and he was coming across the parking lot and i was just like i'm like hey what's up and he, you know he's like oh he's all he's all your mother's uh your mother's tripping out and i'm at, i'm just like huh so i like i walked over to the passenger side of his car and, my, and the window was up and my mom just sort of had this like, you know, thousand mile stare looking out the front window and I knocked on the window and 
she just sort of slowly gazed over at me and it was like she didn't even recognize me and um i guess her i guess she was on um a lot of mushrooms at that time you know and you know 15 years old with your friends like that was the funniest shit ever um but uh yeah I mean, there was little moments like that of just, you know, you know, get, getting in trouble with your friends at that age. And then, you know, who has your back? And, um, you know, like basically living on your own, you know, for three, four days straight, not hearing from a parent it makes you pretty resourceful. Like when things would, you know, like one time we had a uh, a broken water line on the side of the house and I remember just I figured out how to turn the water off from the main went to a hardware store and then you know fixed the pipe you know so when she came back that you know the when the following Monday or Tuesday to go back to work and get clothes and whatnot uh everything was normal everything was fine and what was your father doing at this point uh he he moved, I want to say he was probably living a good hour away at this point. And um, I remember there were a few times we would, um, you know, like the visits, like he, I could only avoid so many visits with my father before I was actually, my mother would force me to, you know, just get it over with. And um, we would go to dinner and my, I remember my father would just, kind of not unload, not not guilt trip me, but just really, I think in his way, out of frustration, try to um, e explain to me of just kind of what my mother was doing without pissing me off, you know, or without accusing her of being, you know, this, this witch and uh, pissing me off to where I'd, you know, I'd flip out and defend her. What were some of the things your father probably saw your mother doing that he was trying to protect you from? Um, well, I mean, he, he, you know, they were married thir 13 years before they divorced. And uh, I mean, he, he knew her way better than I did, or at least in a different way. Um, but she, he knew that she was manipulative uh, and not very honest. Um, she she was battling um, pills. She, my father knew of the boyfriend and knew of you know who he was in his reputation and that you know I think on a relationship level you know how you know the that dynamic was probably. Uh, frightening for him uh, and also you know there's probably a lot of uh, a lot of anger that was behind it too but I uh, you know like there there was one time he he was he, he was trying to I don't even know I don't even know what the how to how to explain it but um he was definitely pointing out in in kind of passive ways of just what uh, or how she was failing. So I want to circle back to what you said before 
about your mother being um, absentee with family. Can you give me uh, some insight on that? Yeah, um, it's it's kind of complicated, or uh, it's not complicated. It's actually quite quite apparent what my mother did. Um, but at the time, she completely wrote off my grandparents, my grandmother and grandfather, which growing up I had uh, you know a wonderful relationship with them. But as a teenage boy, I just followed suit and figured, you know, I'm, I have to do what mom does. So I, I lost touch with my grandparents. You know, even though they lived miles away from me, I could actually physically ride my bike and see them anytime I wanted, which I used to do all the time. But, um, yeah, I didn't see them for about nine years. My parents or my, my mother didn't have any con uh, contact with them, but my father, always kept in touch with them and oddly my mom uh was you know still championing her sister which they had a very competitive relationship but um my aunt was living in texas at the time with my cousins and her husband my uncle and she came out to visit and she ended up hooking up with my mom's roommate at the time and uh just never went back to Texas, completely abandoned abandoned her her children and her husband. Did that give you some insight to the relationship your mother and her sister had with each other? Um, very, yeah, it was very competitive. Like, and I, I remember as even just growing up when you know things before all the shit hit the fan. Uh, the, my aunt and uncle, my mom and dad were were they seemed competitive with each other. If you know, like. One bought a new car, they got a new car. My dad got it, you know, did an addition to the house. My aunt and uncle bought a new house. It was just sort of this, you know, keeping, you know, tit for tat. Uh, but yeah, my my aunt always it always felt like she was she wanted the upper hand with my mother. And she it's it's like now now knowing what I know now, it's like she would, she would always say this thing to my mom and my mother would just, just lose her shit. My aunt would always say, daddy loved you best. And it would just set my mother off. And it wasn't until my father was, um, before, right before he passed away, uh, when I was taking care of him, I asked him that if my my mother was molested by my grandfather and my father uh, just said that is something you should ask your mother which I know that was his way of saying yes that's that's you know the dark family secret so I think my aunt always kind of used that you know in her arsenal uh, to keep my mother below her did you ever eventually ask your mother if that's what happened? No, I didn't. I didn't have to. I think there were there were enough instances of knowing uh, of knowing that it it was probably it was probably true. Would you say at some point you felt you became the adult or the parent and you had to take care of your mother? Oh yeah. Uh, I mean. I 
I was really independent for the most part. Um, you know, take away the fact that I had access to my mother's ATM card and, you know, granted there, a lot of times there just wasn't money in the account, but I always, you know, fairly resourceful, you know, especially when I got into my later teen years, you know, we, we moved around, we were getting evicted from apartment to apartment. And at some point my mom ended up, uh, living on a couch with my aunt and uncle, my new uncle. Um, and I was living out of my truck. So I think, I think at eight, 18 is when, uh, that was the pivot of now I'm on my own and let's, let's see if mom's going to take care of herself. What about your father at this point? Did he, did he remarry? Did he, I mean, what, where was he at in his life during all this? Uh, he, he was, he was seeing a woman, uh, you know, had, you know, ironically had, uh, a teenage boy of her own that was probably 14 or 15. So I think there was probably this, uh, paradox of him being able to, you know, have those years with the teenage boy that was, you know, his, that he missed out with me. Um, but she ended up being, um, no, she wasn't a very honest woman with him. And I think, I think that kind of sealed it for him, uh, for future relationships. I think that was kind of like after dealing with my mom and, uh, I mean, I mean, I think to really understand, uh, where he's at, at this point is like, we would really have to dig in a little bit deeper with, uh, just all the things my mother did that set, like set the stage for this. Like I, like I was under the impression that my mother divorced my father because he was just, you know, he wasn't fun anymore. He was being, he was stingy. He was being a tyrant, you know, and, uh, that, that wasn't it at all. Like I, you know, I found out way later in life that uh, my father divorced my mother for, you know, for infidelity and then also trying, um, I guess embezzle's not the right word, but just trying to take advantage of him financially, like where she was, you know, buying jewelry behind his back. And, you know, I think she was trying to set herself up pre-divorce uh, um, just to kind of like, you know, take the money and run. Well, Daniel, let's take a break and we'll follow up with the conversation with yourself um, next episode. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. I enjoyed talking to you. It doesn't pay to try. All the smart boys know why. It doesn't mean I didn't try. I just never know why. Oh, baby, you're not out.